Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Leverins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Good morning, Merry Christmas, and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air and the Memorial of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, the first U.S. person to be canonized. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverns and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. It is so good to be with you here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app this morning. Now, today is the memorial of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. She was born to Episcopalian parents in New York City in 1774. She was married and had five children, and after her husband's death, she converted to the Catholic faith and founded the first religious society in the U.S., the Sisters of Charity, a community of teaching sisters that founded Catholic schools, especially to educate underprivileged children. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton laid the foundation of of the American parochial system and was the first person born in the United States to be canonized. I want to bring in our morning air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories uh, making headlines on this Thursday morning? Well, we have less than two weeks to go to the Iowa caucuses and less than three weeks to go to the New Hampshire primaries. I'd like to kind of get the the ballot lineup set. Uh, They are in those states, but uh, Colorado and Maine, a couple that are looking to Keep former President Trump off the GOP primary ballot. U.S. Supreme Court uh, looking at the Colorado case where uh, the uh, state uh, attorney general there, or secretary of state, we should say, is hoping the U.S. Supreme Court can provide a a quick decision. And uh, we we hope to to hear either way about that soon, too, John. Yeah, the the Supreme Court is is under uh, a a lot of uh, pressure. They they need to make a a decision because, as you mentioned, uh, the... uh, a caucus is just a few weeks away in uh, Iowa, and uh, obviously we need to have a resolution to this situation uh, in which we're seeing uh, so many states that are trying to do the same thing as Colorado. Yeah, it's kind of unprecedented and, uh, yeah, very interesting to keep an eye on. So we uh, hope to have, again, resolution from the Supreme Court uh, quickly on that. Otherwise, otherwise, the plan would be to kind of uh, see this thing snowball and uh, keep Mr. Trump off many, many different states' ballots. And yesterday, uh, uh, former President uh, Trump's uh, team uh, actually uh, appealed that decision uh, in uh, Maine uh, that removed uh, uh, President Trump from the uh, 2024 primary ballot. Yeah, so it'll, again, very interesting. Again, the the Iowa caucus is coming up on the 15th here, less than than two weeks away. And uh, polling showing things uh, getting very tight for the you know, second place in that Republican race with Nikki Haley edging uh, toward Ron DeSantis here. And uh, DeSantis looking for a strong showing there in Iowa, where Trump uh, has a great lead there among uh, potential caucus goers. But uh, things will really get rolling quickly. And uh, the few that uh, remain in the race, uh, you know, might uh, a few of those might be dropping out by the end of the month here. And one of uh, the big issues uh, in this uh, presidential campaign year is immigration, which, again, is in the news this morning. Yeah, it is. Texas, of course, has been fighting to to hold the line at the border there, where just uh, amazing numbers of uh, immigrants are are pouring in. The Justice Department now filing a lawsuit against Texas, uh, challenging immigration laws, basically trying to say that uh, it's unconstitutional for a, a state to go ahead and 
and set something up like that. Uh, Senate Bill 4 uh, in Texas uh, made it a, a crime, a state crime, to illegally enter or re-enter Texas from a, a foreign country, giving state and local law enforcement authorities the power to arrest and prosecute violators. And the federal government does not want to see that. And so uh, the, the battle uh, continues, and uh, it, uh, it's, it's gotten somewhat heated because uh, uh, Governor Greg Abbott in Texas uh, feels that the government is not uh, protecting our borders, that it's basically open borders, as we're seeing uh, you know, tens of thousands of immigrants pouring in every single day. And as uh, more and more of those immigrants uh, get sent further north, whether it be the, to New York or Chicago or Denver, uh, you're finding kind of a... An odd alliance almost between uh, blue city leadership and uh, the red state of Texas to try and get the federal government to do more. Yeah, because obviously uh, some uh, Democrats, especially down in Texas, that have seen with their own eyes what this immigration uh, crisis is doing to their own uh, communities, uh, they've been pretty vocal about it. And uh, so this is something that is affecting uh, folks on both sides of the aisle. You know, and these are real people with real lives in the real moment, too. It's not uh, merely a, a theoretical exercise in how we ought to do something. And uh, so it's, and it, as the weather gets colder, uh, it, it gets tougher, especially if they find themselves landing in a northern city with, uh, you know, inappropriate clothing and uh, not much else and just some hope that life will be better for them. Uh, it's, uh, it's urgent that we, uh, we take care of these people in the midst of all of this. And so the the battle uh, continues. Uh, uh, let's uh, shift gears. It's uh, the first Thursday of uh, 2024. Time for another edition of What's That Sound? Oh, it feels like a long time since we've played, guys. But, yep, we're back. It's the first of the first Thursday. So here we go. We got uh, three new audio clues for you guys in studio and for you guys at home. Um, so here we go. John, are you ready for your first clue? I am as ready as I can be. Okay, here we go. Oh, that's a hard one. Sorry. Can you do that one again? One more. Okay. Can we connect it to this time of year? Uh, could it be uh, snow coming off a roof? All right, you know, I'll I'll see, I'll give you that wow. one. Yeah, it was some ice cracking and stuff. You know, what I was thinking connecting to this when we're talking about taking your decorations down. Depending on where you live, it might be longer than you think if it's been really cold because <laughs> those things are going to snap in half. They're not coming out of that uh, hard stone ground, or even if they're iced onto your roof. So you got to be careful about that. All right, uh, uh, Glenn, are you ready for uh, our uh, second sound? Let me do a little more stretching first yeah. here, I think. Yeah, warm uh, up, okay, because okay, it's uh, been a while. Okay, Remember, it's the go. 11th day of Christmas, so yeah. we are still in the Christmas spirit. Yeah, very good. Okay, so one more here for, uh, for you, Glenn, here. Let's see if you can uh, get this one. Man, it sounds like I, I might have dropped a couple ornaments there. Mm, well, it's not an ornament, but close. Okay, what else could we be breaking? It has a similar sound. Sorry, it's not the sounds oh. of Christmas. So, although that last one was somewhat related, sorry, that was confusing. Well, I, I might have dropped a couple of dishes cleaning up after there the big you Christmas get-together. Yeah. Yeah. That could be there it. And actually, if you, depending on where you live, those the different uh, New Year's uh, re- um, resolutions and things that you like do on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, one of them, especially in Denmark, is to go around throwing dishes at people's doors 
orders and whoever has the most dishes in the morning <laughs> is going to have the most luck. Now, can you imagine that? That so, is a all, wild Now, we're used to, like, tradition. maybe there's fireworks in the middle of the night, but can you imagine a bunch of, you know, people throwing dishes at your door? Uh, no, I can't. It sounds like something out of the Three Stooges. And I think you know, have the right kind of dishes because if you're throwing that plastic ware, you're going to be throwing for a really long time before it breaks. So uh, kudos to all those people in Denmark who heard that sound. Hopefully a lot if they're loved by their family and friends and they'll have a lot of good luck, I guess, in the next year. So it's a strange oh, tradition, but well, it's your well, one. I might, I might try that in my neighborhood. I, I need to work on my explanation of what I'm doing probably. But, uh, yeah. Leave a little note with the broken dishes. Hey, this is a good thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. Okay, <laughs> very good. Okay. One more, somewhat related to, well, is related to New Year's Eve. Let's see if you guys can get this uh, movie quote. Um, let's see what you guys got. You've got it. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the when rest of Harry your life to start Sally. as soon as possible. Very good. Oh, you got it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can't you believe it, you, right? you played that. That was one of my favorite movies when I was a young guy. Oh, that was, there you go. That is a fun, fun movie. I, I can't Hey, you know, usually uh, you humble me uh, during these uh, these movie uh, uh, questions, but uh, this time I got it. Well, I don't know your uh, movie past, so I don't know which ones you've seen or not seen, but that is one of those classic New Year's Eve movies because he has that big, long, you know, love speech to, to Meg Ryan there on New Year's Eve. And one of the my favorite parts of that movie is uh, uh, the uh, Harry Connick uh, music of uh, It Had to Be You. Oh, yeah, that's right. You do like that song. Yes, so that was played at your wedding. Played at so, our yeah, wedding. Of course, I, I don't know why. I didn't put those two together, but yeah, oh, no, it's a very fun movie. And, you know, one of those classic Billy Crystal early uh, films where he just, you know, he's he always has all these tangents. He's so great with that. So very fun movie. All right. Uh, great stuff, as always, uh, Sarah and Glenn. All right, all right, Mr. Romance, go, go, go to it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> as always, we uh, begin every morning, as we always do, always in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings. And we pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, as uh, we uh, continue to uh, pray for peace in our world, peace in our nation, and peace in the Middle East and in Ukraine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn, and patroness of Relevant Radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit uh, every single show when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from John 6:51. Jesus the Lord says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. The baby of Bethlehem that we worship during this Christmas season is Jesus the Lord, the bread of life that we receive in the Holy Eucharist. Let's take advantage of Christ's gift of the Holy Eucharist in this new year more than ever before. And we always pray with great confidence from the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. 
On Thursdays, I always take a, a moment to, to uh, ponder and to remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, during this Eucharistic revival period, that the period that the bishops have called for, let's uh, try to visit uh, the Blessed Sacrament sometime uh, today. If you get a moment, it doesn't have to be a, a long visit, just a, a short little visit uh, to say hello to our Lord and to uh, say thank you, Jesus, for all the many blessings. We need to take a short break. When we come back, Dr. Pat Castle, the president and founder of Life Runners, will be with us from the Seek 24 conference in St. Louis to tell us about the conference and uh, some of the upcoming Life Runners events as well. So stay with us. We are just warming up here on the, this Thursday edition of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. I'd never be cross or try to be boss, but they wouldn't do. For nobody else gave me a thrill. With all your faults, I love you still. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's a good morning. Wake up to a brand new day. And welcome back to, to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app on this 11th day of Christmas. As always, you can send us an email directly if you have anything on your mind, any thoughts or story ideas you want to run by us. It is morningair at relevantradio.com. Now, as we've been talking about the last few days, Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, is hosting the Seek 24 Conference in St. Louis, Missouri, with around 20,000 young people on hand all this week. Uh, it wraps up uh, tomorrow, Friday, January the 5th. Relevant Radio is one of the premier sponsors, and the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky and Maggie has been broadcasting live at 8 a.m. Uh, with a special uh, broadcast all week long from Seek. We're now joined live from the Seek 24 conference in St. Louis uh, uh, by uh, Dr. Pat Castle, the president and founder of Life Runners, uh, the world's largest pro-life team and one of the sponsors of uh, Seek 24. Good morning, Dr. Pat. Merry Christmas and happy New Year to you. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. It's great to be with you uh, once again here at the start of the new year. God morning, John, indeed. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it is uh, always good to hear your voice, uh, uh, Dr. Castle, and uh, it's got to be special for you uh, to be at this Sikh conference in St. Louis, uh, in the same city where uh, our hero, uh, Pope John Paul II, that pro-life champion, uh, visited back in 1999. It is. It, it, it's such a great environment. You know, the the, the slogan and the motto for this year's Seek is be the light. And wow, you want to talk about if you look at each of those young people as a photon of light, all those little photons, those 20,000 photons are very bright and very focused. And it's, it's, it's hope filled. You know, at such a time as this, when we know that the church is in need of having us be doers of the word, James chapter one, verse 22. It's just great to see faith in action and a lot of joy, a lot of zeal, um, a lot of hope. 
And so as we're just kicking off a new year, what a great way in faith to kick off the new year with such an event as the SEAT Conference with 20,000 college students. It's hard to put into words, but can you give us a sense of uh, the scene on the ground there uh, at uh, SEEK 24 with all those many thousands of, uh, of young people of college, uh, university students uh, representing campuses all over the United States? Yeah. So, you know, you it, it's know your audience, you know, target audience, all those things. But this audience is like when it comes to evangelization, I feel like I'm fishing in a bucket. So we have a Life Runners Expo booth, and each young person that goes by, we have a little one inch Remember the Unborn sticker for the back of their phone. And so I'll ju- I've just been engaging the young people the last three days with, hey, you know, good morning or good afternoon. Would you like a Remember the Unborn sticker to put on your phone? And to see their faces, it's kind of like that look like, oh, I, I could have had a V8 or of course I'd like that. Or, you know, just it's an immediate engagement of, yes, I'd like a Remember the Unborn sticker to put on my phone to, to bear witness for the least of our brothers and sisters, to shine light in the darkness in a world that's working on dismembering the unborn. They want to be part of remembering the unborn. And so I love that. I love engaging them. And they're just, uh, they want it. You know, they, they want Jesus. They want to be part of the mission. They really want to be part of the kerygma, which is die to self, pick up your cross and follow Jesus and be zealful about it to eagerly desire heaven. That's the overtone of such an event as a seat conference. Well, this is not a pro-life conference, uh, obviously, but uh, I would bet that the vast, vast majority of those young people on hand there at at Seek 24 are strongly pro-life. Agreed. And it's kind of neat for me. So Life Runners was founded in 2008 when 12 of us ran the Chicago Marathon to raise money for ultrasound equipment. And of course, now we've gone from a marathon team to a pro-life messaging team where we have all ages um, on the team from little babies in onesies that say, remember the unborn, to people over 100 years old in nursing homes wearing the message, remember the unborn. Half the team runs, half the team wouldn't even think of running or able to run, but everyone bears that message. So in this environment, it's neat for me since we've been you know, doing this since 2008, I, there's young people coming up to me and saying, you came to my elementary school and spoke. And I remember you, I'm like, wow. And so to think that by us bearing witness, John, to the truth of life, that life begins at conception and needs to be respected and protected till natural death to eternity, to see that that stuck that, you know, that they heard that word, that it stayed with them. And it's beautiful that when those young people, whether, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, when they put on a shirt that said, remember the unborn on the back and a big cross on the front with the Holy Spirit and Jeremiah 1, five, that wearing that witness, they didn't just identify as pro-life, they were pro-life, they are pro-life. And so having them come up and share with me, you know, when they had heard me share the truth about life, about God's gift of life at a young age, and they remember it, and they're still acting on it, that was encouraging for me to see that it's mattered. 
It is uh, is so in- inspiring. And what's it like uh, to, to pray with those uh, young uh, college students uh, from all <laughs> over the country when you consider that these 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 young folks uh, are the future uh, of the yeah. Catholic Church here in America. You know, my image for that question, John, is the opening mass, Archbishop Rosansky, the St. Louis Archbishop, who's a life runner. And then there was four other life runner bishops uh, with him up on the stage in the big dome in St. Louis, Bishop Paprocki, Archbishop Nauman, Bishop Rice, and Bishop Rivetuso, all life runner bishops. And it was neat seeing them and then imagining with 20,000 people in a dome, worshiping God, being there before the real presence of Jesus and really knowing it and really acting like it, really adoring him. I imagine the multitude. So you can't help but just kind of close your eyes and think of one of those scenes from The Chosen where they reenacted Jesus with the multitudes and seeing that people were hearing it, receiving it. And I was just thinking about this, you know, again, the theme for Seek this year is Be the Light. I was imagining this explosion of light going out because it was so dense in there. Just imagining when this is over, the light going out and how the ripples, I'm excited about those ripples of faith that will go out from these young people being recharged and inspired and focused. So for example, with life runners, all the planting and watering. So there were already a bunch of life runners in the crowd, as I was describing, but also it's been wonderful planting the seeds of evangelization that, Hey, yes, you can put on a shirt that says, remember the unborn on the back and a big cross on the front and a Holy Spirit dove in Jeremiah 1.5, the Trinity that represents in the front of the shirt, and go back to your campus and tell your roommate about it in your dorm hall, in your Newman Center, and get more people wearing the witness, a life-saving witness, on the campus. And they were encouraged by that because, admitted, when you look around and you see where the world is trying to dismember the unborn and break up the church and the family. When we're equipped to do something about it, to negate that or strengthen the family, um, it's, it's encouraging because you're like, oh, great, I can do something about it. That's the reaction. And praying with them is always beautiful. And we did have young people, hey, could you pray for or are there any prayer requests? And to see when people are, get emotional, just to see that genuine compassion come out and be that vulnerable to show one wounds, I always look at that as a great, authentic statement of the Spirit of God, that people are that touched and that vulnerable. Dr. Pat, it's got to be a, a big shot in the arm for you and life runners uh, to look up uh, on the altar and see the Archbishop of St. Louis is a member of life <laughs> yeah. runners. And not to yeah. mention one of those bishops that's a good friend of this show, Bishop Thomas Paprocki, who is really a runner. I mean, he is a hardcore is. Marath- marathon runner. He is. And he's been our national chaplain since 2011. I was stationed at Scott Air Force Base just across the river from St. Louis in Illinois. And in 2011, I'd heard about Bishop Paprocki being a marathoner. So I sent him a letter and invited him to join us in Kansas City for our national race. And he sent me a letter back and he said, I received your letter and it was perfect timing because I just found out that I have a USCCB meeting that conflicts with the marathon that he had been planning to run that fall. And he said, I'll join you. 
So it's neat to think that Bishop Paprocki joined Life Runners when there were 170 Life Runners. And today there are 22,942 Life Runners in 3,541 cities across 47 nations. Yesterday we signed up a Life Runner from a new nation, Austria. There was a college student from Austria. I'm like, hey, we don't have any Life Runners in Austria. So it, yeah, having, having Bishop Paprocki, you know, just, it's neat that he represents the half of the team that runs. We've got 10,000 runners and about 13,000 non-runners and everyone's willing to put on a shirt that says, remember the unborn. You accomplished a lot in, in 2023. Uh, you just mentioned a couple of, of the highlights of this past year, but you also have a lot of good stuff coming up here we in do. 2024. Yeah, so our national race, John, in 2012 was the St. Louis Marathon. And there was about a thousand of us at that time. So it's also neat to reflect that here we are, you know, 11, 12 years later. And now, as I mentioned, we're about 23,000 strong. So God continues. We plant water and God makes it grow. And so this year, our national race is the first weekend of October in Portland, Oregon. And for listeners that know anything about the the laws of the state of Oregon when it comes to life and not protecting life, we are going to go pierce that darkness with the light of a royal blue shirt that says, remember the unborn on the back and a big cross on the front. And upwards of about 200 of us will gather from across the nation to run the 5K, the half marathon and the marathon in Portland, Oregon. So this is a great time to become a life runner because there's so many you know, new year resolutions. A lot of times they have to do with fitness and this is an opportunity to witness with fitness. So if you wanna get going with your physical fitness, your spiritual fitness, tending the temple that God gave us, then you know, life runners is really a great ministry for putting your faith in action. And the other big thing we have, John, coming up is you might remember we do the Across America Relay. We put a cross across America by way of a course that starts on each coast and each border. And there's some new stuff this year. So those that have heard about the Across America Relay, which is the largest spanning pro-life event in the world, 5,179 miles uh, 1,475 5K legs that people can walk or run. We do it over the course of about 40 days. This year, we moved it to the fall so that more students can get involved because we've got about 10,000 students out of the team, on the team, and those students wear their Remember the Unborn shirt at school on the first Wednesday of every month. What a great witness. So if you got student age, you know, children, grandchildren, let them know about it. And when they start a chapter, John, you just need five to start a chapter at a school. We send as many free shirts as they'd like. And some schools take us up on it. You know, we'll send 500 shirts to a high school or a couple hundred shirts to Benedictine College to their track and cross country team or Ave Marie or Franciscan, any school, including public schools, because it's legal to wear such a shirt at public schools as well. And so we've got that across America, really. The dates are September 7th to October 18th. Kicks off in Times Square, New York City, Union Square, San Francisco, in front of the Planned Parenthood in Moorhead, Minnesota, then crossing the bridge into Fargo, North Dakota, and then down on the campus of the University of Texas in Austin, 
is the kickoff on the south arm. And then Moods moves towards the center of the country and finishes in Kansas City. Well, it sounds like a fantastic event. Uh, just a few of the highlights of things coming up for Life Runners this year. Uh, you need a lot of those uh, Remember the Unborn uh, stickers <laughs> there at, uh, at Focus. Oh, I'm sure you'll wow. be printing a lot of T-shirts as well. You bet. So we've already had 165 new Life Runners that have registered at Focus, which is great because they're, they're, they're representing from all over the nation. And we've passed out four thousand of those little one-inch stickers that the, that the students have put on the back of their cell phones to witness. So you, you might remember, John, we've got uh, a cheer. And at, before we close up here... I'll tell you what, before we do the, the cheer, clock, real yeah. quick, if anyone who's yes. listening uh, is interested in uh, getting in shape this year and, uh, and joining Life Runners, where, where th- should they go? They go to liferunners.org. And they might remember the best news of the of our conversation. Running is optional. So so they go to liferunners.org, hit the join button, register, get our monthly update and a monthly reminder to put their Remember the Unborn shirt on on the first Wednesday of each month. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, Dr. Pat, uh, thank you so much for joining us from the SEEK24 conference. Uh, let's hear your closing Let's cheer. do the cheer. So for the life runners out there, for all believers out there, this is the cheer that will just bring a smile to your face. It'll just encourage you to continue to move forward uh, in, in an apostolic spirit. And so I'm going to give an all in Christ and everybody listening, please respond with a loud and thunderous for pro-life. So here we go. All in Christ. For, for pro-life. Pro all in Christ. For, for pro-life. All in Christ. For, for pro-life. Pro Thank you to our cheering section. That was uh, Sarah here <laughs> with us. Uh, Dr. Pat, many blessings uh, the rest of the way here. Uh, I wish I could be with you there at the conference. It, it sounds like just a fantastic uh, uh, event. I was at the 2015 Nashville Seek Conference, so I have a, a feel of just uh, how moving and impressive it is. You're here in spirit, John, and you're a great Life Runners teammate, and we greatly appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Dr. Pat Castle, the president and founder of Life Runners, the world's largest pro-life team. We need to take a short pause when we come back on the other side. Eric Schadler, the executive director of the Pro-Life Action League, will be with us to talk about what's coming up in 2024 on the pro-life front. And he'll also talk about the new seventh edition of the Pro-Life Action Handbook, sharing the pro-life message. So stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Thursday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. My hope is alive. Welcome back to Morning Air, the memorial of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah as we continue to say Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for tuning in on this 
Thursday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app on this 11th day of Christmas. You can always send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. Now, despite all the negative abortion news in the mainstream media, there is some good news I want to share with you this morning. As reported by lifenews.com, in a huge pro-life victory, a federal appeals court ruled this week that the Biden administration can't exploit a federal law to try to force Texas to turn emergency rooms into abortion centers. In this presidential election year, what does the landscape of the pro-life movement look like here in 2024? Joining us live for much more perspective from the Chicago area is Morning Air regular contributor Eric Scheidler uh, to talk about uh, some of the challenges facing the pro-life movement here in 2024. And uh, also we'll hear about the new seventh edition of the Pro-Life Action Handbook, Sharing the Pro-Life Message. Eric Schadler is the executive director of the Pro-Life Action League based in Chicago. He speaks frequently on pro-life activism, religious liberty, marriage, and the family to audiences all across the country. Good morning, Eric. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us once again. It is great to be with you here at the start of the new year. Merry Christmas to you, John, and, and I thought I would share a little Christmas gift with everybody today in, this, in the form of a great piece of, of news. Uh, listeners will, may remember we talked um, recently about our Peace in the Womb Christmas caroling at abortion facilities around the country. Well, I uh, just found out um, about a day ago that there was a baby saved by uh, the Christmas caroling act- activity in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So the carolers in Ann Arbor had their caroling especially blessed this year when a woman heard the carols and talked to a cyber counselor and decided not to get an abortion. So I share that because, you know, with the big court cases and the massive state battles and all the ballot initiatives and everything coming forward in the presidential election, these, these little miracles of a child being saved from abortion because regular people got involved and went out to the abortion facility to offer help, you know, that we have to keep that in perspective. We still have always the ability to go out in ourselves and, and intervene and be a voice for for the unborn child. Well, that is uh, fantastic news. And uh, all that wonderful Christmas caroling was worth it for just that little baby in, a, in an hour. That's, that's how I think of it, too. You know, we, we send out, um, we go out to the abortion facilities, and sometimes we see a result. We see a baby saved. Sometimes we don't see a result, and we find out years later that a child was saved because we just happened to be there. We've had that happen. You know, someone drives up to the people praying at a 40 days for life and says, here's my three-year-old. Three years ago, I drove by, or three and a half years ago, I drove by and I saw you guys praying and I couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. So it's important to keep that in mind as we, as we look at the kind of big picture and the national scene and the state battles. Well, Eric, um, abortion continues to be uh, in, in the news here at the start of, of the new year. There's uh, stories uh, locally, nationally, every day something new is, is popping up. What do you see as uh, some of, of the key issues coming up in, in this new year, and what are some of the challenges that the pro-life movement is facing here in 2024? Well, I think our biggest challenge is this backlash from Roe versus Wade and the fact that um, these ballot initiatives, these referendums where the, uh, we go to direct democracy, it's not filtered through any kind of public conversation, through legislative action, through a, a record. It's just propaganda. And we have to battle, um, you know, in the realm of TV advertising where we're often at a disadvantage. 
Um, do we have the mainstream media against us so much? Um, so that's our biggest challenge, I think, is going to be figuring out um, where and when we can compromise and where we can't compromise, because we, we see that the American people are absolutely not on board with the, um, the kind of protective regime we would like to enact to protect unborn children and their mothers um, from, from the abortionists. Um, you know, states like Missouri that have very tough abortion laws are facing a referendum. Maybe the legislature there has to reconsider where their laws at in order to, to, to stave that off. So it's going to be some really tough choices for us. Um, but especially, I think, for us as individual people, we have to learn how to talk about this issue better with others. We ha- we, I think we've gotten into the habit of talking about abortion primarily amongst ourselves, you know, in the back of church and, and you know, and in our pro-life websites and, meet, and eat publications and radio shows. We need to be able to talk to the general public, and that's what the seventh edition of the Pro-Life Action League sharing the pro-life message is all about. We have expanded this little booklet, and it's a tiny little thing. It fits in your back pocket, uh, even with all the updates. Full disclosure, uh, Eric, I, I, I had one of your earlier editions. I used to carry it around with me uh, in my briefcase at all times because it's got so much good information in it. Well, we had to add a whole lot of new material over because of everything that's happened explaining what happened with Roe v. Wade. What does the Dobbs decision actually say versus what the media you know, tries to pretend that it says? What are pro-life laws doing? We're pushing back against lies like the idea that the pro-life laws that have been enacted have had no effect. They've had a tremendous effect, and tens of thousands of lives have been saved because Roe v. Wade was overturned. That 50 years of activity was worth it to save those lives. Uh, it addresses the issue of medication abortion. You know, this is, many listeners may still be surprised to learn this, but more than half of abortions, maybe as many as 60 or even 65% of abortions now are accomplished. The child is killed by a medication instead of with surgery. Uh, and so this is a new area. Um, we have a little picture in there of, of a, a baby that was killed by an abortion pill so that people can see for themselves. We talk about, you know, the, the harms of medication abortion in this handbook. We're addressing some of the propaganda that's out there. You know, they've been trying to, the other side has been trying to kind of confuse people about the difference between abortion and miscarriage. They're trying to pretend, which is totally false, that there's really not much difference between an abortion and a miscarriage because when you have a miscarriage, sometimes you need a, a DNC procedure to, um, to remove the, the remains of the, the baby that's passed away. Well, that looks similar to an abortion, so they're pretty much the same. They're confusing people so that they... They can pretend that an anti-abortion law would deny women miscarriage treatment. That's utterly false. So we address those types of myths and confusions out there. This book is designed to make you an effective uh, champion for the pro-life cause, not only giving you the information you need, like about the abortion pill or about you know, the Dobbs ruling, but also the kind of techniques it takes to talk to people. Um, I, the, the front of that handbook, and I'll, I, we can say, talk a little bit more about the sections that are in there and the different you know, chapters, but the, the first chapter is how to share the message. You know, we have to use language that people understand. We avoid you know, inside baseball terms like pre-born that no one really uses in the real world. We don't like to, talk, to call, to call the, the child a baby all the time because that, that seems like it's leading the question for, for people. Sometimes we're not afraid to call people pro-choice so that we don't get sidetracked in discussions about terminology, we really put the focus on building a relationship with the person you're talking to by listening to them. 
by continuing that conversation over time. You know, this is not a contest where we're trying to like score points in a debate. This is a relationship where we're trying to win someone over to a view of life, to a view of abortion, to a view of the hope that is available uh, to women facing a, a challenging moment in their lives so that they become voices for the unborn child themselves. And this is a one-on-one process. And really the bottom line is uh, knowledge is power, and uh, we need to be educated on the issues, and the the issues have changed uh, so much in recent years. That's the reason uh, for this updated uh, edition of the Pro-Life Action League handbook, sharing the pro-life message. Uh, How can our our listeners uh, get their hands on, on, on a copy? We are expecting the first 20,000 copies to show up at our office on Monday. So as a special, uh, another Christmas gift for relevant radio listeners, for morning air listeners, if you go to the, if you go to the address ProLifeHandbook.com, you can pre-order. We've got a special deal, just four bucks uh, shipped to you. So that includes the shipping price, includes you know, handling and all that stuff. For four bucks, we will send you this 132-page packed handbook of information, and it's got resources for following up on, on offering women help who need it or on getting more involved in the pro-life movement yourself. One of the expansions has been we've added a lot more material about different things pro-lifers can do, you know, beyond the conversations this book is designed to, to kind of shepherd to become involved with uh, the pro-life community in your area and nationally. So it's a, it's a really great resource for any pro-life person. And if you've seen this handbook before, and there's 100,000 copies out there, uh, get this update because it's really important, and it's uh, it's uh, a whole new world now that Roe v. Wade's been overturned. So ProLifeHandbook.com, four bucks, you can get that copy. Uh, we'll start shipping them out next week, and that'll equip you to be a champion for life in 2024. Could be the best uh, four-buck investment you ever made. Well, you know, we've heard some incredible stories about this handbook being used. Um, kids have brought brought it to high schools and, and talked to their classmates, showed them the pictures inside um, uh, of, of life in the womb, the beauty of the baby in the womb, and some of those, you know, carefully chosen and curated pictures of abortion victims that show the, you know, the, the sad reality that abortion is a violent destruction of human life. Um, it, it's, uh, it's been a very powerful tool. It's especially helpful for pro-life activists. If you're out on the front lines, if you go to a 40 Days for Life event and someone drives by and asks a tough question, you know, like how many kids have you adopted? You know, we have an answer for that. We have, a, we have a way of addressing every single one of those objections that comes up because we've been out there on the front lines for, you know, for decades now, and we want to share that knowledge with everybody else. Eric, um, it's been over a year and a half since the Dobbs decision uh, that overturned Roe v. Wade. It seems like the pro-life movement wasn't quite ready for the reaction from the left and big abortion, Planned Parenthood especially. What are some of the adjustments that you see that need to be made uh, going forward here this year? We really need to be talking to the American people, not just to one another all the time. I see that more and more. I, I see... Um, the need for pro-life people to break out of the sort of, um, you know, preaching to the choir kind of an approach in, in, the, in the words we use. And, and that's what sharing the pro-life message is, is all about. Uh, it, if you read through the, the book, um, and it's designed to be flipped through and used, you know, when you need it for this answer, or for that answer. But if you take the time to read through all 132 pages, every question and answer, you will get a sort of a vision for how to bring this message out into the world, the kind of uh, attitude of openness, of, of honesty, and 
you know, one of the things I think we, we suffer from is, you know, we sort of use the language that inspires us isn't always going to inspire other people. Like we know that the Biden administration would allow abortion under any circumstance whatsoever through all nine months of pregnancy. If you ask Joe Biden, would it be wrong to abort a baby while it was being delivered? He would not say that it would be wrong. Yet, we know that there are no abortions taking place when the baby's being born. We know that in the ninth months, if there are any abortions taking place that late in pregnancy, it's extremely rare and I, I can't find a case. I've been looking. Um, and so let's not talk about abortion through all nine months of pregnancy because our opponents point to that and say, look at those liars. There's no abortions in the ninth month of pregnancy. And then people don't believe us anymore. We know that this is true. One of the major findings out of the Ohio ballot initiative battle where we lost Ohio issue one was people were saying they just didn't believe the claims of the pro-lifers. And those claims were true that this issue one would deprive parents of the right to know if their 13 year old got an abortion, that it would allow abortion very late in pregnancy. But we're talking with this hyperbolic language about, you know, abortion through all elements of pregnancy. We can say abortion late into pregnancy. We can say this bill would allow the abortion of a perfectly healthy baby, you know, at six months, that's powerful enough without exaggerating, without the, the, you know, the inside language or what we sometimes call inside baseball. So we, we need to, to find the issues that, that matter to the American people. We need to emphasize the fact, and I think this is my main theme for 2024, about 70% of abortions are in one sense or another unwanted. Either the woman said she was coerced, uh, that's roughly about 20% of the time, or she feels that uh, it was something she did accept, but it wasn't what she really wanted or what her values uh, would have wanted. Um, Unwanted abortion is a serious problem, and it's a place of common ground. What pro-choice person is going to say that a woman who doesn't want to choose abortion should have to, quote-unquote, choose it? Pro-choice people are going to agree with us that unwanted abortion is a problem. And that's an area I'm going to be exploring and looking for, for ways both in the way we talk and communicate and also in the ways that we propose legislation where we can address this issue of unwanted abortion. Eric, we have less than a minute to go. Your, your, your final thoughts uh, on this election year, this presidential election year, and uh, the approach that we as Catholics uh, should have when it comes to exceptions and voting pro-life uh, in this uh, most important election. You know, we're fortunate that as, as Catholics, we have a 2,000-year tradition to build upon. And that includes documents like Evangelium Vitae, the great encyclical of Pope John Paul II. He lays out very clearly for us that, first of all, we have an obligation as Catholic citizens to vote, to participate in the political process with the abortion issue uh, at the forefront of our minds. The, the Catholic bishops of America call it the, the preeminent issue of politics in our time. So we have a moral obligation, and the Church makes this very clear, to use um, our votes, to use our political action uh, on behalf of the gospel, and that especially includes life itself, the life of God's precious unborn children. That same document, Evangelium Vitae, also lays out to us our obligation to save as many lives as we can and to not be prideful about it. Uh, our stance on abortion, the laws that we promote, the politicians that will vote on, these are not opportunities for us to prove some kind of purity to our, you know, to our fellows. It's not a contest to see who's, quote-unquote, the most pro-life. 
Eric, we're going to have to leave it right there. Uh, as always, thank you so much uh, for being with us uh, again. Go to uh, prolifeaction.org or prolifehandbook.com uh, for much more to, to get uh, that latest edition of the Pro-Life Action Handbook. Eric Schaller, Executive Director of the Pro-Life Action League. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Dime Store Angel by James Kistner. It was just a Christmas angel that my mom put on our tree. She bought it at a five and dime when I was only three. Each year we'd trim our Christmas tree with lights and ornaments. Then mom would always tell me what the angel represents. The angels came to tell the shepherds of the Christ child's birth. And the angels are still here with us to guide us on earth. The angel on our Christmas tree was made in such a way that if... The light inside burned out, you just threw it away. The light burned out when I was 12. The angel would not shine, but Mom would not throw it away. She said it looked just fine. She loved that little angel that she put upon the tree. She said it didn't need a light for anyone to see. Then I grew up. I moved out to start my family. And I'd go home at Christmas time and help her trim her tree. My wife and children went with me to Mom's house every year. The house was filled with love and joy as we shared Christmas cheer. The kids would always say to her, the angels burned out. Then she'd smile and tell them what the angel's all about. She told another reason for its specialty. Your daddy picked that angel out when he was only three. My mother passed away this year, early in the spring. Then I had the painful task of going through her things. The beautiful old house she owned was left me in her will. We moved back in the summertime. We feel her in it still. Early in December, we brought out our Christmas tree. I went up to the attic see what I could see. I saw a cardboard box with markings, ornaments, and stuff. It was the little angel that she loved so much. I brought the cardboard box downstairs and showed the family. They persuaded me to put that angel on our tree. We trimmed the tree that weekend and we talked of Christmas past. When the tree was finally done, the angel went on last. Every night till Christmas, all the lights were burning bright except the little angel that had long burned out her lights. Then on Christmas morning, I arose before the rest, had to have my coffee to be at my very best. I walked into the living room, my coffee cup in hand, and what I saw so puzzled me I could not understand. I just stood in silence as my eyes filled with tears, the little angel all aglow that had been dark for years. From Luke 2, 10 and 11, And the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will come to all people. For to you this day is born in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Thanks so much, Glenn. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, Bishop Edward Scharfenberger will be with us to talk about the Vatican Declaration on the Pastoral Meaning of Blessings. And our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, will also be with us to talk about the Solemnity of the Epiphany of the Lord. Stay with us. There is much more to come on this Thursday in hour number two of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app.